Let's open our Bibles, Matthew chapter 13, <clears throat> the parable of the wheat and the weeds we're going to look at today. <clears throat> Excuse me, my voice is uh, fading quickly, so I'm going to speak quickly. Last time we looked at the parable of the soils and uh, the different kinds of soils that we are. What, you know, what kind of soil am I? You know, they had the four different types, the, the seed that was spread along the path where the, the path was hard and it was, it, you know, it had been trampled down and the seed couldn't get in to do anything. And the enemy came along and, and snatched it up, it says. Hard hearts. Or the seed on the rocky places where there was some soil there, just a little thin layer of soil, but underneath hard rock where there was, a, there was a, a, a growth, a quick growth, but then it was shallow, and so there, wasn't any, there weren't any uh, roots that would, would go down, and it would be a shallow kind of uh, relationship. Not really much relationship at all, really. And then the, the third one, the seed sown among the thorns, where the, it says that the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of riches would, would choke out the word. Strangled, someone said, strangled hearts, strangled by the things of this world, this life. But the final category is what we, we should all be striving to be, is that, that good soil where our hearts are, are open, our hearts are soft, and, and the ground has been worked, and, and the Word can get in and bring something good, and, and bring some kind of uh, you know, uh, fruit and produce. He talked in there about us listening, and I think we need to listen. We kind of heard that a little earlier as well. Now this parable, the parable of the weeds and the, uh, the wheat, um, the, the parable of the sower and the soils are really about us receiving God's word and what kind of heart we had. Now this, this parable is really about people and about the state of the world and about the future of the world. Let's look at verse 24. It says, Jesus told them another parable. And the kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. And when the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. And the owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, don't you sow, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where then did the weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. So you see wheat there, you see weeds there, both of these things all, all at the same time. You see, you see a, a good seed, you see an enemy. Someone comes along and says that while they were sleeping, someone came in the night and planted the weeds. And I think we think that too. Sometimes we have gardens, right? And we, you know, we, do, we do our best to make it grow well. But then you go out there and like there's weeds all of a sudden. Like you didn't plant any of those. Where did those come from? I'm sure someone came along during the night and planted those weeds in there. Actually, there in some places there were laws against doing that because people were actually doing that because they didn't like someone. But notice it says there while they were sleeping, while everyone was sleeping. We don't want to be caught asleep, do we? What's Jesus talking about here in this parable? with the weed and the seeds and the enemy and, and the weeds, all these different things. Like the previous parable, he explains this one as well. He doesn't explain every parable, 
But this one he does explain. And so let's jump ahead to verse 36. We'll kind of go back and forth between the parable and the explanation. In verse 36 it says, Then he left the crowd and he went into the house. And his disciples came to him and they said, Explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field. I like that. I like that fact that they, they well, two things. One, that they, Jesus goes into the house just to be with them just with him and them. And there's something very important and something very special that God wants to spend time personally with you and with me. Not just part of a big crowd, but one-on-one. But -on -one. He had this smaller group of people that he spent time with, a lot of time with. And then he had an even smaller group, Peter, James, and John, that he spent time with. And then there were times when, he, when it was just him and, and one disciple. Are we open to that? Are we willing to spend some time with Him? Or maybe we're kind of afraid of it. You know, it's okay, I'll go to church and be with a bunch of people or whatever, but, but you know, it, it might be a little too much commitment for me to actually stop my life and spend time with God and ask Him to explain to me. Can you help me understand what's going on here? Can you help me go, understand what's going on with my life, with the world around me? And that's what they did. They came to him and they said, Lord, explain to us what this is all about. The truth is, does he always explain everything to us? No, he doesn't. So often we go and we say, God, I don't understand what is going on now. Can you just help me to understand this? And, and, and what does he say to you and to me? He says, listen, it's not for you to understand right now. It's for you to what? To trust me. It says in Proverbs 3, you know, that we need to trust in the Lord with all our hearts and lean not on our own understanding. There's so many times that we will not understand. But here, in this situation, he explains. They say, they come to him and say, please explain to us. I added the please, because I think that's important for us to be respectful to our Lord, our Master, our Savior. And, and uh, they, you know, they come to him, and in this particular instance, he said, yes, I will explain it to you. I will help you to understand. And so he explains it to them. Look at verse 37. He says, he answered, the one who sowed the good seed is the Son of Man. <clears throat> the field is the world. And the good seed stands for sons of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one. And the enemy who sows them is the devil. And the harvest is the end of the age, and the harvesters are angels. So he kind of explains who are the different characters, what are the different situations here in this parable of the seed. The Son of Man is the one who's sowing the good seed. The field is the whole world. The good seed are the sons of the kingdom, the children of God, those who are believers. The enemy is Satan, the devil, and the weeds are the sons of of his kingdom, the sons of the enemy. There's a lot going on there, is there not? Well, really what he's, what he's showing and what he's talking about here is a picture of the world. He says the field is the world, and he says all this stuff is going on. And, and, and the truth is all that is going on today in our world today. Number one I want to point out is this, is that Jesus is working. He said the Son of Man is planning seeds 
He's working in people's lives. He's sowing them into the world. He's working in our lives, and, and He deserves all the glory. He, is, he deserves all the worship. Number one, that, that Jesus is working. But number two, the enemy is also very busy. We heard just a few minutes ago about how the enemy is very busy in this world. He's sowing his own. He's trying to, to build up his kingdom. And I don't want to give the impression in any way, shape, or form that, you know, that uh, Jesus is on, and Jesus and Satan are on the same level, on the same plane, because they're not. Jesus is the creator. He is God the Son, and Satan is a created being. He is basically what we call a wannabe. He wants to have a kingdom. He wants to have control. He wants to, you know, have a future. But Jesus, speaking to uh, those that were rejecting him in John chapter 8, he says, you belong to your father, the devil, and there, there, there certainly is a truth where you belong to one or the other. And that's what we see in this parable. Another important thing I want to point out to you is this, that the weeds that he was talking about here they, they, some translations call them tares, and they have, they have uh, researched this, and it's a plant that is also called a darnel plant. They're pretty sure that's, this is what it was, the darnel weed. But these particular plants, they looked just like wheat until harvest time. So when they're growing and they're young and they're just coming up, they look just like wheat. That's kind of important, isn't it? He says, he says here that the enemy is sowing these weeds, and, and for a period of time, they look just like the good seed, the wheat seed. And, and if there's one thing we see and we, we understand about uh, Satan, and, and the Bible says that we are not to be ignorant of his schemes, is that he loves to counterfeit. He, it says that he himself masquerades as an angel of light. He tries to be something that he's not. And I think one of, the, one of his schemes is, that, is to get people to think that they're okay and maybe act religious. He talked about the word religion. To, to, to kind of get religion, quote-unquote, but not have a real relationship with God and maybe, maybe even you know, say the right words and do maybe some certain things to make it look that way, and, and you kind of put off an impression that you're okay. And I think, that, I think that is one of his schemes, to make us think that we're all right when, when we really have no relationship with Jesus whatsoever. He doesn't come along. The rest of that verse I quoted in John 8 says that he's the father of lies, and lies are his native language. He doesn't come along and say, listen, I, I, I just want you to think that you're okay. He doesn't explain to us that, that he wants to rip us off, that he wants to destroy our lives, that he, his, his mission is to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He doesn't come and outwardly tell us that. He doesn't tell people that. It's more deception. There is a battlefield. The world is a battlefield, and there is a spiritual battle that is taking place. We know there are physical battles taking place in, in all four corners of this globe, but there is a spiritual battle that is taking place, and, and it's a battle between what is good and right and pure and holy, and Jesus as the Son of God and the enemy who wants to 
again, steal, kill, and destroy. It's happening in the world. He says the field is the world, but is not the church in the world as well? It's happening in the church too. It's happening in good churches and it's happening in bad churches where the enemy is trying to get stuff happening. One commentator says this, nothing good has ever come into the world without opposition and that is especially true in spiritual matters. Here we face not only the opposition of mere people but satanic opposition as well. The devil places his own counterfeit Christians among true believers to hinder God's work. It says in Galatians chapter 2, Paul says that he was talking about a, 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 an issue. He says, This matter arose because some false brothers had infiltrated our ranks to spy on the freedom we have in Christ and to make us slaves. In the church as well. Yeah, you, we look at the bigger picture of the whole world, but in the church as well. Now you're thinking about all this, well, do we have to be detectives now? Do we have to look around and like, well, what are you? Are you, are you a, a superficial, uh, artificial, um, counterfeit Christian? Or are you a true Christian? I've said this before, you know, none of us can really see into people's hearts to really, truly know. Only God can. We need to be discerning, of course. John, the Apostle John said in 1 John 3, he says, this is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. He says you, you, there are some things you can see and know. He says, anyone who does not do what is right is not a child of God, nor is anyone who does not love his brother. He says if someone is not living a life for God, it's, it's kind of obvious in some cases, well, you know, they, they say they are, but they're not really. In some cases, it's very obvious. But in other cases, it's not very obvious at all, and we need to be very careful not to take on God's role. Look what it says there back in verse 28, the second half. The servants came to him, the, the, uh, the owner, and they asked him, do you want us to go and pull them up? What did he say? No. He said, because while you're pulling the weeds, you may root up the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And that, at that time, I will tell the harvesters first collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned, then gather the wheat and bring them into my barn. Do you want us to go and pull them up? Do you want us to, to play Holy Spirit? Do you want us to, to take care of this for you? He says, no, I don't want you. I don't need to have you do that. You know, the truth is we could do more damage than good trying to sort it all out. Isn't that true? When we think that we know. Someone said, we can't distinguish between those who are in the kingdom and those who are not. And the truth is, you and I, we label and we judge way, way too qu uh, quickly. David Guzik, pastor of a church now in California, he said this, that, that ultimately it's not the job of the church to weed out those who appear to be Christians but actually are not. That is God's job at the end of this age. 
Again, looking at the, the, the whole parable, what's, what's going on in the world? What's the picture of the world? You have some that are, are truly followers of God, of Christ, of Jesus, and you have some that are not. But he says, let both grow together until the harvest. There is going to be a harvest. We have to keep that in mind. Jesus said there will be a harvest. We see it in this parable. We see it in all kinds of other passages in the Bible. At the end of the age, and he will be the judge. In the meantime... We're called to spread the gospel of the kingdom. We're called to love people. Look at verse 40. He says, As the weeds are pulled up and burned in the fire, so will it be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send out His angels, and they will weed out of His kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil. They will throw them into the fiery furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. He who has ears, let him hear. Jesus explaining this parable, he says there, there's a harvest coming. There's, a, there's the end of the age that is coming. The harvesters are angels, he explained in verse 39. He says he will send out his angels. There, be, there will be that, kind, that time of reckoning. But the truth is that it is only God who can judge. It is only God who truly knows your hearts, my heart. David Guzik said this, I'll quote him one more time because I like what he says. He said, Jesus used this parable to clearly illustrate the truth that there are two different paths and eternal destinies. A furnace of fire represents one destiny and radiant glory the other destiny. Two Different destinies, not a whole bunch of destinies, not a whole bunch of paths, not a whole bunch of different things going on. He says there's two. You remember Bob Dylan had that song, You Gotta Serve Somebody. Now, we don't know kind of where he's at right now. I don't know. Maybe that's a good example of what we're talking about here today. God knows his heart. I don't know his heart. But he's saying in that song that, you know, you've got to serve somebody. It might be the devil or it might be the Lord, but you've got to serve somebody. In other words, each one of us, whether by choice or by default, meaning make no choice whatsoever, we're in one camp or the other. Jesus points it out here. It's, it's black and white. You're either in one camp or you're in the other camp. You can't be in both. There's no third camp out there. Well, I'm in the atheist camp. I don't believe in anything. I'm in the agnostic camp. I just don't know anything. There's two camps. You're either a son of the kingdom or you're a son of the enemy. Two different paths, two different destinies. You're the children of God or children of the enemy, children of the devil. A couple passages I want to finish with this morning. Let's turn to 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 first. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. <clears throat> and Paul teaching, of course, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, confirms some of these things that Jesus has just talked about in the parable. Look at chapter 1, verse 5. <clears throat> he says, all this is evidence that God's judgment is right. 
And as a result, you will be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which you are suffering. God is just. Notice that he says God's judgment is right, and now he says that he is just. We've been talking about him being the judge. He says he will pay back trouble to those who trouble you and give relief to, the, to you who are troubled and to us as well. This will happen when? When? What does it say here? When the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven in blazing fire with his powerful angels. He will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will be punished with everlasting destruction, shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the majesty of his power on the day he comes to be glorified in his holy people and to be marveled at among all those who have what? Believed. And this includes you because you what? Believed our testimony to you. What makes the difference between one path and the other path? It's simply this. It's believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to turn with me to the Gospel of John chapter 1. Not to move away from this verse in in Thessalonians quickly, but but we see that, that what Jesus is talking about is confirmed now by Paul the Apostle in this writing here that there will come a reckoning. There will come a day where we will all stand before Him. Look at verse uh, 12, John chapter 1, verse 12. It says, Yet to all who received Him, to those who believed in His name, He gave the right to become what? Children of God. Isn't that what He was talking about in the parable? Children of God of God to all who received him to those who believed in his name he gave the right to become the children of God do I like to talk about a place called hell a fiery furnace no I don't there are some that that refuse to talk about it because they want to be positive and, 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 and only speak encouraging words and I understand that but to just ignore what the Bible actually teaches and says, I think that is uh, much worse, much, much worse to leave out what God has said. To those who do not receive Him, to those who do not believe Him, are, are by, fault, by default children of the world, children of the enemy, and are on the way to an eternal destiny separated from God forever. That's the reality. That's what the Word of God says. But to those who receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gives the right to become children of God. And, and, and what he talked about back in that parable of, of the, the, the glory, the shining glory, to be part of the kingdom of heaven, to live in the kingdom of heaven forever and ever. Not separated, but with God forever and ever. That's the simple truth of the gospel, is it not? I don't... I don't know about you, but, but, but I know that I was searching for the truth in life. I was searching to find meaning, to, to find understanding. And, and, and I heard the gospel about Jesus Christ, and I came to this place where I realized that, that what did I have to lose? What did I have already? I had nothing. I had stuff, maybe, 
but I had nothing inside of me. And I, and I came to that place where I said, you know, if, if you are, I said this to God, I'd kind of made a deal. I was kind of ignorant. I'm still a little bit ignorant. Uh, actually, I'm a lot ignorant. I'll be honest with you. I get things messed up. But I said to him, if you really are who those people say you are, then I'm going to give you a chance in my life. And he kind of chuckled to himself, I think, and said, you know, well, really, I'm giving you a chance, but if you want to think like that, that's okay. And, and, and you know what? I, I went forward and I, I prayed to receive Jesus Christ, to believe in him, to receive him, and believe in his name. And you know what? My life, I didn't feel like fireworks go off. They weren't legal back then. No, I'm just kidding. I didn't feel fireworks go off, but you know what? I knew something changed. Something happened inside of me from that moment on. The next day when I woke up, I knew my life was different. And, and I have to tell you, my life has been radically, radically, radically changed since then. I, I, you know, I spent time recently, you all know this, I spent time recently with, with some of my family members here uh, a few weeks ago, and, 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 I, and, I, and I could just see, you know, they're not, they're not believers. And I could just see what my life could have been like. And I tried to explain to one of my brothers, and I said, you know, can, can, can't you see that something is different for me? And it's not me, it's Jesus in my life. I tried to explain that to him as, you know, as his health is failing and he's, he's rapidly deteriorating. I hope I was able to bring just a little bit of light in their lives, into their lives, knowing that, that it's, it's not me, it's Jesus and what Jesus has done in me. And I want to say to you, to you today that, that no matter what your situation is, whether you have never believed in Him, never received Him, that He will come in and, and change your life. Or maybe you have believed in Him for a long time and you're kind of struggling right now. Well, if you will humble yourself before Him, He will work in your life here and now and today. This is ongoing. I made that decision September 1st, uh, 1st 1976. And he has been faithful. He has been faithful for all those many, many years. Have I understood everything? No. Have I, have I always been perfect and right? No. But he is always perfect and right, and he has always provided and, and guided and led and, 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 and you know, just did a, did a miraculous work in my life. To those who have believed, to those who have received, He gave the right or the power to become children of God. He made me His child. There's nothing better than that, to be a child of God. Not only is it beautiful, not only is it wonderful in this life, but it's about the life to come. To be a child of God is eternal life. I hope you've made that decision. I hope you know Him I hope you have received him and believed in him. I want to look at, I told you I had three scriptures. Did I tell you I had three? I said I had a few, I think. I got one more I want to close with, and this is the last one. Psalm 73. Psalm 73. I'm going to give you an opportunity to pray to receive Christ or pray again to humble yourself before him and, and ask him to work in your life today. But Psalm 73 kind of talks about it from the viewpoint of, 
of uh, this man Asaph who's looking around and he's going, you know, I'm trying to follow you, but look at those people around me. Those people who are not following. Everything seems to be going good for them. They're not trying to follow you, and they're doing well. Their businesses are flourishing. They have all the stuff. Let's read this psalm, and look what, look, what, uh, look what it says there. It says, Surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. He says, But as for me, my feet had almost slipped. I had nearly lost my foothold. For, for why? For I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. They have no struggles. Their bodies are healthy and strong. They're free from the burdens common to man. They're not plagued by human ills. Don't you think about that sometimes? You look around and, well, you know, what advantage is it for me to be following Christ? Uh, You know, the people in the world, they got it all. It's going well for them. Verse 6, he says, Therefore pride is their necklace. They clothe themselves with violence. From their callous hearts comes iniquity. The evil conceits of their minds know no limits. They scoff and speak with malice. In their arrogance, they threaten oppression. Their mouths lay claim to heaven. What? Their tongues take possession of the earth. I see a little tie-in with what we were talking about before, about counterfeit. Their mouths lay claim to heaven. They, they talk about it. It says, therefore their people turn to them and drink up waters in abundance. They say, how can God know? Does the Most High have knowledge? This kind of tells us what, what was really going on there. And this is what the wicked are like, always carefree. They increase in wealth. Verse 13, surely in vain have I kept my heart pure. In vain have I washed my hands in innocent. All day long I've been plagued. I've been punished every morning. For someone who would promise to you that to be a believer, to be a Christian, is going to be an easy ride, it's not true. This was a believer in the Almighty God. He had struggles, he had trials. He says in verse 15, If I had said I will speak thus, I would have betrayed your children. But when I tried to understand all this, it was oppressive to me. Verse 17, here's the answer. Until I entered the sanctuary of God, and then I understood their final destiny. Till I entered the sanctuary of God, and then I understood their final destiny. Until you, until you find out the way God sees it. And understood that, that this life is not all there is. The final destiny. Verse 18, surely you place them on slippery ground. You cast them down to ruin. How suddenly are they destroyed, completely swept away by terrors. As a dream when one awakes, so when you arise, O Lord, you will despise them as as fantasies. When my heart was grieved and my spirit embittered, I was senseless and ignorant. I was a brute beast before you. Yet, we're not perfect he says, yet I am always with you and you hold me by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel and afterward you will take me into glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire besides you. My heart and my flesh may fail, 
but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Those who are far from you will perish. You destroy all who are unfaithful to you, but as for me, it's good to be near God. I have made the sovereign Lord my refuge, and I will tell of all your deeds. Just like Jesus talked about in the parable. You guide me with your counsel, and afterward you'll take me into glory. At the same time, we need to think about those around us as well, though. And the destiny that they have is not a good one, and we need to care. One of the first, uh, well, the first message that we're going to look at with the Greg Laurie series is caring. Do we care about the people around us, the lost? Are we just all set for ourselves? Number one, we need to be all set, but number two, we do need to care for the lost around us.